Well, we'd add a personal word of welcome to each and every one that's gathered in for the preaching of the gospel this evening. You know, you could as easily have stayed in the house. At one stage, I wasn't sure what was going on outside, but I know one thing's for sure, there was no shortage of water as we come down the road tonight. But I want to thank Brian again for his invitation to come and for our brother for leading both morning and evening. We trust that we have been blessed as we've heard from God's word uh, today. Now, your brother said to me that uh, his tradition would be for a new speaker to come and to share a word of testimony. Now, I can't remember when the last time I gave my testimony was, so you'll bear with me tonight. But let's just say I spent the most of the afternoon trying to sidestep this. There's a couple of singers in our house, but apparently they have a sore throat at the minute, which, in fairness, there is, there is a wee cough. There is a wee cough, but uh, I couldn't just get them talked around. I must be losing my touch. But anyway, could we start by reading from God's Word? And I just want to make three, three readings from the Word of God. And the first you'll find in John's Gospel and chapter 3. John's Gospel and chapter 3 for first reading. John's Gospel and chapter 3. And we'll just read verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Turn back to Luke's Gospel for a verse, firstly in chapter 10, Luke's Gospel in chapter 10. I'll just say while you're finding the place, before our brother had mentioned about giving a word of testimony, I had a completely different message lined up for the meeting tonight. But I'm not sure who it was, I'll not blame anybody, but there was a brother in the prayer meeting this morning that quoted this verse, and it has linked these other verses in my mind that, in fairness, I have looked at before in the gospel, but we're going to look at it again tonight. Luke 10 and verse number 20, and just take, drop your eye to the tail end of the, of the verse where it says, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Turn over to chapter 16 of Luke's gospel for a final reading. Chapter 16 for a final reading. Luke 16, and we'll read together from verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And seeth Abram afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abram, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, 
for I am tormented in this flame. But Abram said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they that should pass from thence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abram said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abram, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And we do indeed trust that God will bless the public reading of his word. I had the great privilege of being brought up in a Christian home. I was born the youngest of three boys, and I know it's going to go downhill when I mention this from here, but I was brought up among brethren, and I'd say some of you probably think, oh, you wouldn't think it. My wife says that it'll never be cut out of me, but anyway, that's how it is. But I was brought up under the sound of the gospel. I can't remember. Indeed, I didn't walk into Sunday school the first time I was there. I was carried. So I was under the sound of the gospel from a very early age. You know, my parents had that one desire in their mind that they might see their three boys reached and saved by the grace of God. And you know, we were taken to Sunday school. We went to the morning meeting. We went to Sunday school in the afternoon. And we went out for the gospel meeting on a Lord's Day evening. And many's a time, the speed limit was probably broken trying to get to a second gospel meeting on a Lord's Day evening if there was a special effort around about the country. You know, at one point, I counted in a 12-month calendar year that we attended eight series of gospel meetings. I remember on one occasion, I don't know whether the name will mean anything to you or not, but our brother Jim Martin, late brother Jim Martin, started gospel meetings down in Spring Hill and Money Moor in County Londonderry. And he preached for six weeks. And my father went to the door on the Friday night at the end of the sixth week, and he shook Jim's hand, and he thanked him for his faithful preaching, and he said to him, we'll not be back. And Jim says, what makes you think, what makes you come to that conclusion? Well, he says, we're going for a fortnight's holidays. He had preached for six weeks. We went on holidays for two weeks, and he preached another five weeks when we came back. Thirteen weeks, gospel meetings, and if it hadn't been for the holidays, we probably would have been there most nights. That's the home I was brought up in. You know, I know that there's some in the meeting tonight, and you'll, you'll turn your nose up at the next comment I'm going to make. But I thank God for it every day. 
My father wasn't remotely interested in education. My father's number one priority for his three boys was salvation. I remember on several occasions trying to play the I would need to revise card. And it was just, it was as if you didn't say it. It was just ignored. But you know, the time came around. I don't have a long testimony to give. But you know, the time came around in January of 1986. Two brethren came to have gospel meetings in the Cookstown Gospel Hall by the name of Jim Brown and Jack Lennox. You know, those two men came along and they preached faithfully night by night. And you know, it's not that there was much wrong with how our brother uh, Brown would have preached, but Jack Lennox, every night, he always seemed to have a story that he mingled in with his gospel message. And whenever he was preaching on one particular Friday night, I can remember listening to him preaching, and he got the story round to the, the story of the Titanic and how that that ship was sinking and how that everyone was out on the decks. And he went on to tell the story of how a draw was made for seats on the lifeboats. You don't need me to come to Saintfield to tell you the story of the Titanic. But he told us concerning the fact that there was someone standing on the deck and they hadn't got a seat on the lifeboat. And a man came alongside and gave them his ticket. A man that was saved by the grace of God. A man that knew that when time was over and in the circumstances he was facing, that was going to be sooner rather than later. But he gave up of his ticket and gave a seat to someone that needed it. You know, I didn't need Jack Lennox to go on much further. At this stage, I was a boy of nine. I knew exactly where he was going. He was going to use the example of substitution. And he was going to bring the gospel message round and say how that the Savior had taken my place on the cross. But I can honestly say tonight that after he finished telling the story, I heard nothing more. I would imagine that's what he said, but I didn't need to hear it because those wheels were already turning inside of my head. I got up and got out of the meeting anyway and went home. It was a Friday night. And I remember going home. And I was troubled about my soul. You see, I had been brought up in a Christian home, sent along to Sunday school, memorized many, many verses from the Word of God. And I went home and I thought these things over. And I knew fine rightly that if anything was to happen to me, I knew that I would open my eyes, just like the rich man that we've read of in Luke 16. I knew fine rightly that I would open my eyes in that awful place called hell.
I eventually fell asleep on that Friday night. Got up on the Saturday morning. And you know, back in the day, I know you wouldn't think it by the shape of me now, but back in the day, I used to play a wee bit of football. I got up and I spent my Saturday, that's how my Saturday was spent, week in, week out. Running around, kicking a football. You know, the thoughts had gone. And I remember coming back into the house on the Saturday night, getting back into bed. You know, the Bible was sitting on the bedside locker and I lifted the Bible and I looked at it. And I thought to myself, this matter still needs to be sorted out. You know, I was fortunate, dear friend. I had spurned that opportunity the previous night. But God was gracious. And God was still striving with me. And I took out my Bible and I read over some of the well-known verses that I knew. And I was getting nowhere And I remember going and speaking to my mother and telling her that I was anxious to be saved. And she pointed me to that portion that we could have read from tonight in Acts 16, that well-known portion concerning the Philippian jailer. And how that, well, she had said to me that the jailer is asking the same question that you're asking. And the answer is just there in black and white. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know, I stumbled over it and tripped over it. And eventually another night I fell asleep. I woke up on the Lord's Day morning early. And the Bible was still open at that verse. And you know, just very simply... I thought back to the story on the previous Friday night and I just realized there and then that the Lord Jesus Christ had taken my place. Just like the seat on the lifeboat, he had given up of himself for me. Dear friend, in the meeting tonight, the gospel message is a very simple message. And I think in all honesty, those of us that stand at the front at times and try our best to preach it, sometimes we probably overcomplicate it. But you know, just there and then, I just drunk in the truth that Jesus died for me. You know, dear friend, tonight that's all I have for heaven. What did the hymn writer say? He said that my passport to the realms of bliss is Jesus died for me. You know, I got out of bed. I shared a bedroom with my next older brother. He was out cold to the world. And yet just at the other wee single bed, I had passed from death unto life. Just there and then, My name, as we've read tonight, it was written in heaven. How amazing is that? You know, I got out of bed, I got down at the side of the bed, I didn't know how to pray, I didn't know anything about anything. But I simply just thanked the Lord Jesus Christ for dying for me. What about you in the meeting tonight? I know very few 
in the meeting tonight, there's only one gentleman here that I know. He has the same taste and suits as my wife because he's wearing the same suit as me. So I can speak openly tonight. Are you here for the first time? I would hazard a guess that you're here not just for the crack on an inclement night like that. What brings you in under the sound of the gospel tonight? Has God been speaking to you in the days that are past? Maybe in days that are past you have been in Sunday school. Maybe you've came to Good News Club. Maybe it was holiday special that you've been at. But somewhere along the line you have heard the message of the gospel before. And maybe God is striving in your life. Maybe as you look out into the world tonight, you look at the conflicts that are going on. You can see what's going on with Israel. And maybe you've heard these things discussed in the past. And maybe you know that it's the same of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we all look out and we look at the news and we consider these things. But you know, dear friend, tonight, there's not one thing in this book that we hold in our hand that needs to be fulfilled that is stopping the Lord Jesus Christ from coming to the air tonight. I remember as a boy always being wary of the fact that if the Lord were to return I would be left behind. Is that what's playing on your mind tonight? Is that why you're here in the gospel meeting? I trust that it is. Before I bring my remarks to a close, I will present to you the full message of the gospel. But you know, among the brethren, as far as they were concerned, testimony over but you Baptist people are more inquisitive and you like to know what happened after that. So I'll do my best to give you a few things that have happened in my life between then and now and maybe try to let you know how it is that I ever came to be standing on an old Baptist pulpit here and there. But you know, I continued to go to school, moved into high school. I was baptized at the age of 12, and was brought into fellowship in the meeting. By the age of 14, I was, I think the word would be coerced, into taking my first meeting at the age of 14. And it has just went from one thing to another after that. I continued to attend the assembly in Cookstown for a good few years. Eventually, I fell in with a girl that's always how it goes, man, isn't it? It always goes downhill. She's not here, so I can say what I want, but although Liam might carry home a story. But I fell in with a girl, and she was helping out at the children's meeting that I was at, would have been at on a Wednesday night. And eventually, one thing led to another, and before you know it, us brethren boys, we like to get married early. You wouldn't guess that I've 26 years under my belt. But Julie and I set up home 
And I might have said there that the, one of the first times that we went out, she came to hear me preaching the gospel. I wasn't much over 16. I'm surprised she hung about. But she's still here to this day. And I thank God for her every day. Because you know, when us men are up and about, and the way here and the way there, and you know when you go away on a Lord's day, that's all right, you know, it's a case of, well, you're away from early morning and you might come back for your lunch and then you go away again. Other days you don't come back at all. I remember one Lord's Day going to preach in Kilray and I left at 10 o'clock in the morning and came back at half 11 at night because they asked me to speak at the youth rally after the meeting. And you know, it takes a real woman with her heart in the same place as you for, for those things to happen. And I thank God for that every day because I do things and I can only do those things because she's there to take up the slack when I'm away. Days like today, you don't need me to tell you, man, what amount of time you need to spend away from family to get yourself ready. And I thank God for for the patience that she's had over the years. You know, it wasn't very long after we got married News came along that we were expecting our first child. And sad to say, uh, Julie miscarried that first child. Difficult time for us as a couple. Not overly long married. I had just uh, started working part-time in the fire brigade. That was another strain on married life. Whenever you just her holding a child and then the bleeper goes and you just drop them. Um, But through all of these things, we got through life together. You know, moving on swiftly, now all these 26 years later, we have two girls and two boys, or I should say a girl, two boys and a girl. And I thank God for how he has moved in their lives and how he has saved them, each and every one. And I had the great privilege of waving off three of them back in the summertime as 12 young people from our church headed out to Romania, not very far from here. We dropped them off at Sprucefield. And do you know what? It's amazing. My father made a comment to me back whenever I was young a comment that I didn't really understand at the time. But he says to me, you pray hard and you pray hard to see them saved. And then after that, you pray harder. And as parents, we know what that means, don't we? We pray harder for them because our children are now growing up in a society that is completely different from what I grew up in. And they need our prayers day and daily. Whether they be at school, whether they be at university, or whether they're out into the workplace, we continue to pray for them. You know, I have tried my best to to bring my children up in a similar fashion to how I was brought up. I'm thankful for the girls, and they have been, in fairness, they have been busy recently. Leah sang with me in Points Pass a fortnight ago, and Leah and Rachel both sang 
as Joshua preached the gospel, my youngest boy in Lima Valley last Sunday night. And I'm thankful for the Lord for that. You know, I don't say that in any way for you to look up here and say, oh, he's done a great job. I've led them the best I can. And I just have to leave them with the Lord for him to lead them where he would have them to go. You know, dear friend, in the meeting tonight, we, back about 12 or 13 years ago, we were becoming a, bit, a little bit restless, and at that stage we'd moved out to the country. We'd moved out to, we were going to Akave Gospel Hall. Uh, it was due to the fact that I was still working in the fire brigade, and one bank holiday Monday, about 20 years ago now, I'll never forget it. I was out power hose in the front of the house. And my wife uh, was carrying Joshua at the time. I should have mentioned this. was carrying Joshua, her third child at the time. And she got the news that her father had dropped dead with a massive heart attack at the age of 44. After that uh, event, Julie would never have heard me going out to a fire call during the night. Never would have thought anything of it. Maybe seen me half sleeping the next day. Should have known I was out once or twice. But after that, I decided that it's possibly the best thing to do for me to leave the fire service. She was worrying constantly about me going out after this had happened, which was totally understandable. But we then moved out of the town, and we were becoming a little bit restless in the, the gospel hall at that stage. The kids were starting to get up. The kids were already attending the the Good News Club and Youth Fellowship and, and Coke Church. And like, let's be honest, I lived nearly closer to the church than the pastor. So we decided after much prayer and consideration that we would maybe go and see what it was like in Coke Baptist Church. Julie knew it was going to be hard to get me moved. And, but eventually, that's where we, we finished up. And I just want to speak to the older men in the fellowship now for a moment or two. And I just want to say to you that there's a man that I owe a lot to. It's a bit like some of the brethren said to me this morning that Pastor Scott had, had, married, had married him. And I says, are you still speaking to him? But there's a man by the name of Stephen McKeown. And unfortunately, Stephen is in a nursing home tonight. Not so well, but Stephen McKeown approached me one at one stage, him and Pastor Scott were as thick as thieves. And they did a little outreach around in a nursing home around Drapersfield, just outside Cookstown. And they approached me about going one Sunday afternoon to speak at this nursing home. And then spoke a few times at the nursing home. And Stephen then said to me, this is, now, this is just Stephen's words, he just said to me, hey boy, it's time he says you were out and about. And I just sort of laughed it off. I should have said that I continued to preach Sunday nights when I was in the, in the gospel hall, but Stephen then got my name out and about, and the first place I finished up preaching in one Lord's Day was Grange Baptist Church, halfway between my house and Balamina. And the man had phoned, and I was down at, at youth and the man had phoned and says, will you come on the Lord's Day? And I thought, oh, 
preaching the gospel. This will be great. And then he happened to mention that dreadful thing that could you come and could you minister on Sunday morning? And I just thought, seriously? Sure, I wouldn't know what to say. You know, in the, in the Brethren, we never really did ministry. It's basically lasted as long as what, as what we have in, among the, the Baptist churches. And yeah, there was definitely a scurry for a day or two till I got myself straightened up. And basically, it has just went from, from one thing to another. And you finish up being more places maybe than you want to be. But at the same time, I totally understand the situation here. You're like ourselves and Cook. You're vacant, and if we can be of any help, we always will do our best. But you know, we've sought to be faithful to God's word, and I certainly enjoy preaching the gospel more than I enjoy ministry. I'll not tell any lies tonight. But we do our best, and whenever I'm in town, it's always very simple. That's one thing you can be sure of. But you know, as I bring my remarks to close tonight, I just want to leave these three portions of scripture with you that I have read. As I've said, I'm a simple fella. I preach a simple message. And the youngest in the meeting tonight will be able to take home what I have for you tonight. We read in John 3.16 that amazing verse, the gospel in a nutshell, we read those words in the center of the verse, in him. Now I can say tonight in truth, I've told you how it happened. I could take you to the place where it happened. But tonight, I'm in him. And one day in the future, just like I read to you from Luke's gospel, chapter 10 and verse 20, just as sure as tonight that my name is in heaven and just as sure as tonight that my Savior is in heaven and just as sure tonight that my Father is in heaven and just as sure as I would say it's not very much but I have treasure in heaven one day I will go to be in heaven and it's all because I'm in him. If you're in the meeting tonight and you're not yet saved, that's not the case for you. See, dear friend, tonight, as I was brought up in that Christian home and sent to Sunday school, and taught the truths of the word of God. I was taught that I was born into this world a sinner. Genesis chapter 3 tells us how that it happened. How that the fall took place in Eden's garden. Romans 3 would tell us that there's no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we're all guilty of it. Even today I wonder could you calculate in your mind today how many times you have sinned. That sin tonight, it's barring heaven's door to you. I used to sing the little chorus in the Blue Door Sunday School, as we called it over in Cookstown, that there is a city bright and closed are its gates to sin. 
Not that the faileth, not that the faileth shall ever enter in. So if you're in the meeting tonight and you haven't got a happy day experience, if you haven't got that red letter day in your experience, a time that you can look back to, and I don't care tonight if you can remember the date or not, but there's a certain time on your little timeline where this took place where you met with the Savior. You know, we had a little, I was speaking to some of the men this morning, and I was telling them that we had a little bit of a testimony meeting at our youth on on Friday night. You know, I opened the the meeting, I was asking the questions, I didn't think I'd be giving a testimony on Sunday night, I should have been better prepared. But I was asking the questions we had a very simple time together, and it was just great. And you know, as I was making my opening remarks, I said to the young people, I says, you know, getting to heaven, it's just like the spokes on a wheel. We all start off from different places, but we all get to the center where we all have that meeting with the Savior. I told them that When we read concerning Nicodemus, well, the Word of God tells us that he came to Jesus by night. For Saul of Tarsus wasn't at midday. For me, it was half past eight on a Lord's Day morning. But dear friend, tonight, have you got that time in your experience where you can say that that's exactly where I settled the matter of my soul's salvation. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave the best of heaven for the worst of earth. He stooped so low to lift so little. But dear friends, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. Will you get to that point tonight? Will you just rest your all upon the finished work of Calvary? You see, friend, tonight the Lord Jesus Christ left the splendor of heaven and he came into this sin cursed scene. And he grew up as that little baby. And then at the age of 30, his public ministry would begin. And then, dear friend, can you see that one? As he goes outside the gate, what does the hymn writer say? He speaks concerning that that hill lone and grey and that land far away and a country beyond a blue sky where beneath a fair sky, sorry, a man went forth today for the whole world and for you and for me. The Lord Jesus Christ, that one that was born of the virgin, the one that was sinless, spotless and pure, But yet he died on that cross for your sins and for mine. What about it tonight? Are you in him? We read in Luke 16, that very solemn portion of scripture. We read there concerning the rich man. 
What does it say concerning him? It says that he fared sumptuously every day. He was clothed in purple and fine linen. You know what? He had the best of things on this earth. But dear friends, he was rich in time, but a pauper in eternity. What does it say concerning him? It says that he'd have been happy enough to have taken a drop of water from the dirty finger of a beggar to cool his tongue because he's tormented in this flame. Dear friend, tonight if you're in him, it'll mean to be in heaven. If you're not in him, it will mean for you to find yourself in that awful place called hell. We referred to it this morning with the boys and girls. It says at the tail end of what we read that as he found himself there in torment, all he could think about was his five brethren. What does that tell you? That would make me think, dear friend, in the meeting tonight, that if you go out through the door tonight and you shake my hand on the way past and you go out and you jump into the car and you just ignore this message of the gospel another time, that would tell me that if you were to go out tonight and if death was to overtake you, that you would find yourself in this awful place called hell. And dear friend, the sad thing is this. You would have that perfect memory. To remember the times when you came to Sunday school in St. Field Baptist Church. To remember the times when you went to youth fellowship. To remember the times when you sat under the voice of the preacher in this very building. How sad would it be to lift your eyes and torment with the words of John 3.16 ringing in your ears. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him, dear friends, this is the crunch bit, should not perish but have everlasting life. What will you do with Jesus tonight? Because, dear friends, someday in the future you could be asking the question, what will he do with me? Remember the six words. In him, that means to be in heaven. But, dear friend, if you haven't got the Savior tonight, your future could find you in that awful place called hell. And dear friend, can I remind you that it's not for six months. It's not for a year. But dear friend, it's for eternity. It says you, how long is that, Nigel? 
I'll tell you how long it is. My geography is not that good. I couldn't tell you what the closest beach to here is. But I'll tell you this. If I was to jump you into my car tonight and to drive you to the north coast, to the east strand, and if you and I were to sit on one of the summer seats, and if a seagull was to come along once a year and pick up one grain of sand off the beach and take it away, You see, when all the sand would be gone off the beach, eternity would have only begun. You know, as we look out into our world tonight, there are people and they're booking their foreign holidays. And they might be there for five days or seven days or ten days. And you know, if there's some wee thing that's not right, it's nearly the end of the world. They need to know how many stars the hotel is. But yet, dear friend, in the meeting tonight, you're sitting here, and your soul is in the balance. And yet, so frivolously, you'll just walk out of the meeting another time. There's room for pleasure. There's room for business. But for Christ the crucified, not a place that he can enter in your heart for which he died. Dear friend, let me take you back to the cross quickly tonight. Can you see the Savior there hanging upon that cross? Listen to what he would say to you tonight. Look at my hands and see. I bore the nails for thee. I died to set thee free. Come and rejoice. It's all been done. We read those verses as we remembered the Lord this morning, those words in John 19 and 30. That it is finished. Would you not just rest your all upon it tonight? Just the same way you come into the meeting tonight and you didn't hit the seat of thump with your hand or you didn't get down and check underneath it that the screws were tight. You just rested your all upon it. That's what you need to do with the work of the cross tonight. I trust that tonight, the 29th of October 2023, it will become that red letter day in your experience when you can look back to that time when you met with the Saviour and when you rested your all upon the finished work of the cross. I'm going to pray briefly and then we'll sing our closing hymn and then uh, if you remain standing we'll pray again and give thanks for the food. Our Father we bow in thy presence just now and we give thee thanks again for this the Lord's day. We thank thee our Father for Uh, the blessing of being among the people of God another day. And we thank thee indeed for the word of God that has been read and spoken. We just pray, our Father, now that as the preacher's voice would fall silent, we do indeed pray that 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 still small voice of God would continue to speak on. We pray for each and every one with their head bowed in thy presence just now. Our Father, they're not known to us, but they're known to thee, and thou knowest uh, how they're dealing with them. 
And we just pray, our Father, that if there's any in the meeting tonight that's not yet saved, we do indeed pray, our Father, that thou would move and continue to speak. And our Father, that thou would save for thy glory alone. For we ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing in closing 339. 339, just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee. O Lamb of God, I come. 339, and we'll stand to sing when we get the music, please.